Hi and welcome to the Sheer Business Inspiration podcast finale of season one. In today's episode, episode 12, I'm going to be chatting with Big Ian Donaghy. Now for those of you that aren't aware of Big Ian, he is definitely a unique, entertaining and dynamic keynote speaker. Um, He has oodles amounts of energy, he has the essence of a stand-up comedian, but also conveys a heartfelt message. He was winner of Care Trainer of the Year and the British Care Awards. Um, he's an accomplished presenter and author of Pocket Full of Kindness, Dear Dementia and The Missing Piece. Ian is a passionate fundraiser and has been leading campaigns for older people in York for a number of years now, um, being founder of Christmas Presents, A Night to Remember and Altogether Now Festival. But Big Ian hasn't stopped there, and this year he arranged a global Big Christmas sing-along. So join me and Ian, and I hope you enjoy the episode, and look forward to hearing your thoughts. Enjoy. Hi everyone, and welcome to the final, the season finale of the Sheer Business Inspiration podcast and vlog. Um, I'm really delighted to have Big Ian Donaghy with us today. So welcome Ian. Good morning. <laughs> it's good to have you here. So um, for those that have, um, haven't um, sort of listened or, or seen what you're all about, um, I wonder if you'd be able to give us a bit of an overview of your journey to date. I know there's a lot to cram in there. So if you could give us a sprinkling of, of what, you, you know, wh- how you've got to where you are. And, um, and, we, and I'll, I'll ask you some more questions after that as well. Goodness me. Well, <laughs> the, the joys of being a bit older is I've got a bit, of, a bit more history. Um, class clown at school. Um, in, grew up in the county, county Durham. I was a bit like Billy Elliot who couldn't dance. Uh, then I went to be a bouncer because I was particularly big. Uh, You're six foot two, aren't you? Ah, but yeah, but that's not the thing. I used to be twenty eight stone eight. Oh my gosh! Yeah, okay. I, I used to be, I used to be vast. You know, there were counties smaller than me. Um, I went to be a bouncer. Then I went uh, to be uh, went to university. Uh, got a degree in maths and education. I went on to be uh, a teacher. I was going to be. Um, a maths teacher in a leafy lane school. It never happened because nobody would give us the job because I walked in in a big black suit looking like I could kill James Bond. Nobody would give me a job. I ended up being taken on by a special school. Um, they actually invited me in and they, they just said, come for the day, see how it goes. And I left eight, days, uh, eight years later. Uh, it just went, kids really liked what I did. I liked them. It was great. I then got headhunted by the home office so I stopped being uh, paid by the local authorities and I was paid by the same people as James Bond. Amazing. <laughs> and they wanted a positive male role model to stop young people from getting in trouble. So it was called, national campaign called Crime Reduction in Secondary Schools, which I led in Yorkshire. And it was a big deal. It was exciting. And in one school, we went from 20 permanent exclusions in one year to zero the next. Amazing. That coincided with the year that my hair went from brown to just for men brown. Um, <laughs> it really did go a bit bad. Um, then I was a teacher. I got promoted and promoted and promoted. And they wanted me to be a head teacher. And they were really pushing me to be a head teacher. 
and a suit was something I wore. It wasn't something I was. And I thought every promotion I was getting was getting me away from the reason I did the job, which was the kids. I liked kids and I wasn't bothered for teaching, right? And um, I got, I was speaking at a conference about how education has got it wrong, how they're comparing Joe with Ian and Ian with Michael and Michael with Sarah. And we need to compare Joe with Joe and not with me because I want to get the best version of you. And I couldn't see education doing that. I thought it was just putting us amorous and us all into these square holes. And I thought, this isn't right. We need to make a Joe-shaped hole or an Ian-shaped hole or a Michael-shaped hole. I said, that's what... So speaking at this conference, one bloke came up to me and went, I really like what you're about. I want you to work for me. Now, a week later, he then saw me in another gallery. He saw me playing York Grand Opera House, fronting a nine-piece band that I've had since I was 19 called Huge, with a 1,000 people in the room and me sort of with the room in the palm of my hand. So he'd seen this... this motivational speaker, this guy who really stood for what he believed in. And then this big daft bloke getting people put their hands in the air and sing along. And he just went, I don't care what you cost, you're going to work for us. And so I left teaching like that. Wow. Uh, my mum had died very, about a month before. And I just thought, do you know what? Is this a present I've been left here? You know, and I did, I, I thought, right. And I said to my wife, I said, um, what do you think about this? She went, and she's always said the same. She said, you know what you're doing. Yeah. You know what you're doing. And she's always done this. And I've done some crazy things. <laughs> and she's always just said, you know what you're doing. Like this, this Christmas sing-along that we've just done. Yeah. Some of our friends have said, have you seen what Ian's doing? And she went, no, not really. I'm just leaving him to, uh, leaving him to it. Leaving you to it, yeah. It Let, seems, do, it, do what you love. On. Yes, it yeah. Keeps tracking on, and it seems to be getting done, and it's keeping him busy, keeping him out of my way. And and, and that's, <laughs> so I, I then did that. I worked hit for him. I won Care Trainer of the Year um, in about I think it was 2011, and then lots of other people were wanting me to do work for them, other care companies, other care providers. So I retrained. I did some stuff with dementia. I then wrote a book called Dear Dementia, funnily enough. You there did, you yes. I wrote it in 94 um, in a January when I realised, because I wasn't, I was a bit new to being self-employed, and I never realised that you don't just get work in January unless you've planned it. <laughs> I know. Yeah. The joy of working in schools, you just used to leave on December, go back in January. There was yeah, work. yeah. So I did this, and um, Angela Rippon was, uh, launched the book because she absolutely adored it. And it's, um, yeah, that, that was really cool. And then I started working for other people. Um, and it was just really good. Lots of variety. People were asking me to do this, that and the other. And it's all worked out so well. And I've spoken at the biggest conferences in Europe. People put me on as a keynote speaker because they know that not only do I know my stuff, but I'm going to entertain a room. I'm going to make people laugh, cry and think. Yes, and yeah. They're the key ingredients for, well, for a fantastic keynote. Absolutely, they yeah. are. Yeah, and do you know what? It's it's clear that I love what I do. Yeah, you know, I kind of hide it, and I have no wish to. And unlike most speakers, everything I think, say, and do are the same. Yeah, there's a lot of people who were saying stuff because they have to. Well, I don't. No one's going to sack me. No, I think, you, you know, if, if anyone has, has ever followed or, or seen anything that you do, you do speak from the heart and, it, you know, whatever you do, there is um, clearly there's a there's a reason for it. You know, there's a reason and whatever, whether it's a, 
a, a positive message or something that you know it, you know it, it makes it, get, it gives you the feels definitely without a shadow of a doubt and um, I've been very lucky to be on the receiving end of your kindness on more than one occasion um, so you've told us a bit about one of your books but could you tell us a little bit more about why you were driven to create the other books that you have um, and please right, well, shameless well, plugs here come on this <laughs> is really good. <laughs> Graham Norton doesn't do it. Well, firstly, this one, the first one I wrote was yes. um, like my nana had dementia, and um, bottom line is back then the D word she had wasn't dementia because everyone just thought she'd gone do lally. That was the word. Yeah. Know I mean? And so I wrote, I was spending my time with people, you know, over 75 ranging in age up to 114, my oldest, by the way. Oh, my goodness. Um, okay. I used to meet these amazing people. I used to think, this is so wrong. This is yeah. wrong. And so on my drive home one day, I just turned the radio off and I just said something really odd and I went, dear dementia. And I, I sort of started saying little things to it as if to say, how can you do this? Mm. How can you do this? And so I wrote this tiny little thing, same size as Mr. Man book, exactly, right? And... As the thing on the back shows, you know, our ducks aren't always in a row, unfortunately. Right. Yes, yeah. And so I did that because there was a need. And yeah. um, I was speaking at a conference and a publisher was there and he said, if you can write down what you've just done in the last 40 minutes, I will publish it tomorrow. Amazing. And so he said, he said you better go and write it. But, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's essentially a picture book with little tiny things and it's it's really beautiful a gentleman on linkedin yesterday just got in touch with me and he was having a tough time never spoken to me before i said he's me number gives a call bonnie mm. and i've just posted one of these to him this morning and i, I just think I'll be, it's just hard isn't it and i think anyone that hasn't um had a or, you know hasn't had a relative you know that that has there's so many different types of dementia, mm. isn't there? I mean, when when my mom had vascular dementia, you know, you you don't realise actually there's so many different types, but ultimately that that it still results in the same, you yeah. know, end thing. And and I think it's knowing that there's a support mechanism or a support network there for you is is amazing. So I think that book is you know nothing but great. And then you you also wrote two other books, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So this one, this one took this one took not long to write, but the pictures took ages because they all needed permissions, and, and that was a nightmare. But I wanted real people in it. Yes. So I got them. That was long. Um, this is called the missing piece, uh, yes. creating a life after death. Um, basically, when I lost my mum, that changed my life totally, mm. and I noticed all of my friends were losing people. They were losing their mums, their dads, their nanas, their granddads, their dogs, their, their, someone losing children. Yeah. Right, you know, nature's chronology all to hell. And I realised that friends were pretty rubbish. They won't, oh, I never rang you. Why? Well, your mum's just died. Well, <laughs> yeah, and, you need people around you, don't you? Yeah. You know, and yeah. do you know what? People saying, I didn't know what to say. Well, I tell you what, leave it to them to do the saying and you do yeah. the listening. Yes. You, you should, surely you should say, I didn't know how to listen. Well, if you're anything of a friend, you should do this. So this thing here started off as a labour of love. Yeah. Um, I went to visit me, me dad on Father's Day in 2015. And I went to visit my mum's grave and look up the, the, the hills up to Weirdale. And just I was there, 
I just thought, goodness me, Facebook today is full of two groups of people. One are saying, look at my daddy's bigger than yours. And then the other lot were saying, what I'd give for another minute with me dad. Yeah. And it seems like, so your best friends on social media are actually yeah. not only, you know, they're not empathising with you, they're actually rubbing your bloody nose in it and saying, what, your dad's dead. Look unlucky, what I've got, yes. Unlucky, yeah. my mint, right? And yeah, yeah. So what I did was I looked at my friendship group, people who I'd met, all this sort of thing, and I thought, right, every crowd of people will have people who are going through this. Hmm. And the whole the, the the opening line of this book says, um, and it, it sums it up really, it just says, nobody thought this morning when they put the key in the door and turned it in the lock, well, that'll be the last time I'll see you. Hmm. Neither of us are dying today. None of us. We're not, because somebody else is dying today, not us. And yet, this is something. And so I wrote this book and... It took me, I allowed six months to write it and it took me 36 months and it, I still get emails. Yeah, well, you will because it, it's, be- I mean, it's a beautiful book and, and I'm proud to own one, to be honest. So, um, so yeah, it's, it is beautiful. And, and I think, like you say, is people don't, you know, it's like illness, isn't it? People don't know how to handle things. And I think this year, if anything, this year's taught us is you hold your loved ones and your, your close people closer, don't you? And try and protect them and, and be as mu- there for you, them as much as you possibly can, albeit you can't do it physically. But um, I know I've spoken to all my friends and close connections more actually this year than I, than I probably ever would have done mm. any other year. Um, now, obviously, your day job is usually going and being a keynote speaker and doing and, and doing lots of fundraising and lots of, of things. So this year's your role's completely changed. Can you share a little bit about um, how the pandemic's affected your work and what you would normally do to what you've been doing this year? Well, everything I normally do involves big rooms full of people. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of the big rooms that I usually fill with delegates and stuff things like Harrogate Conference Centre, XL in London, and Nightingale Hospitals now. Uh, There's not a big demand for a speaker in there at the moment. Well, I think at the moment they definitely definitely need those Nightingales by the sounds of it, don't they? So So I would have been doing a lot of speaking, a lot of work in care homes. I've been more and more been making films. People like the films I've made. I've made some award-winning films. And I went into this accidentally. Because when, as a speaker, I thought, right, nobody wants to hear me all this time. I want to break it up. So what I did was I created content. And rather than me tell a story about a guy called George. Yes. Let's have George tell you. Because he's, he's going to do it loads better than me. And then I can cut to little films and things like that. And people really dig it because they really like what's going on. And it breaks it up. And in that time, I get a chance to watch the audience. Yes. So I can see the impact and I think, right, where am I going with this? What am I going with this? And I've had some of these films that have made 500 people in a room cry. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. And then I've just got them and then I've I've got them when they were crying and then I've hit them with a big laugh and a reason why they do the job and then yes. leave beat yeah. them. So I've done more and more film work yeah. this year. Um, really, yeah. During lockdown, I... I was given the the job of creating the new campaign for Health Education England, NHS for recruiting the next generation of nurses 
into social care, um, which was very, very successful. And I was dead proud of, but with a huge amount of work. And uh, so where I would have been doing lots of stuff publicly, I've been doing quite, quite a lot of stuff on Zoom, but I never went looking for that. No. I've seen, I've seen LinkedIn with guys desperately going, please, 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 you know, let me do Zoom. I, I don't, like, my idea during lockdown was to get me values right, to look after the people around us. My wife just rang me because we're, we're waiting for a new lockdown to come on, right? Yes, yeah. She's just been on the phone to us this morning, right? She's to pick her up at work later, and she just says, it's a bump in the road. We've got this far, yeah. right? She just went, let's get through this. Let's get the kids through this. And I love you. And I thought, goodness me, she's nice today. <laughs> and yeah, yeah and, and it was it was a lovely thing. Uh, but the big the big thing I did during lockdown happened by accident. And can I be right? My 2020 would have been considerably worse. But what it was, it was a bit of karma, really. It was my past helping me present and me future. And what I did was. I start writing a couple of stories. Here you go, plugging away. Yes, yes. I'm like in a blight now, right? Um, I wrote this. I started writing a story, right? Just one little story. And for our podcast listeners, it's pocket full of kindness, isn't it? It is called the pocket yes. full of kindness. Yeah, we'll we'll be providing links so they can they can go and have a look on on your site and see all your lovely books. You, but yeah, <laughs> for all basis, uh, it's available at bigain.co.uk. And yeah. I wrote. A couple of stories. I'd had the garden done up. I'd had this big decking area done and the sun was on me back. I thought, so I bought a MacBook computer and I, I thought, I'll get my IT skills a bit snazzier. <laughs> and what I did was I started writing and I sent them to one of my mates who was a, an arts critic journalist in Yorkshire called Charles Hutchison. And he just went, man, that is a lovely story. Oh. And, and he says, you've made my day. He says, write another. So I wrote another. And these are true stories. And then I sent it back, and in the end, I think I sent him three or four, and he went, if you have enough of these, I'll edit those for now. Oh. And that can be a book. He says, because seriously, that needs to be a book, and that needs to be a book more now than ever. Than ever, yes. I, um, I absolutely agree, and I love mine. I love mine. Thank I'm, you. I'm, <laughs> I have, yeah. the, the whole idea is each, each story is a cup of tea long, it's it is, yes, yeah. Right, and it's a deliberate thing, and it's a format that I like because I don't think people like the big investment. People are quite busy. Yeah. You know, quite like this dip in, dip in. It's a, it's a good thing, and it's on your terms. It's a book on your yes. terms. Yeah. So I wrote that, and that's so daft. Yeah. Well, I'm not surprised though because I think like that's what people need you know more so now than ever mm. you know I, I'm with I'm with you mate I th I agree I think you know that 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 kindness has to prevail doesn't it and mm. and letting people know that you're thinking of them is is you know really important mm. um and and I think I think the the challenge for future events is you know it, with with zoom and all of these ways that people have done virtual conferences you've you've almost seen a trend of people dipping in and out of the content that they want so it's not like people are actually in the room and they're they're with you yeah it's like people are almost netflix netflix yeah. choosing selecting what they want to see and i think that's that's going to be interesting now to see then the migration back into 
what a, a live event looks like and god knows i mean there's no one that wants that more than me you know in, in our industry we we absolutely crave that human presence and mm. and togetherness and you know i bet you can't wait to get you know you you usually do at this time of year you do something called christmas presents don't you yeah, i do that on christmas day yes yeah so t tell us a bit about that tell us That's tell us christmas what that present. that would normally entail um well it's ridiculous. It's another ridiculous idea. Um, started six years ago. Um, my little lad was talking to a, a guy at a dementia cafe who was going to be spending Christmas by himself. And and he just, well, that seems sad, Dad. And so in the car, I just said, so what are you going to do about that then, Dad? And I went, well, what do you mean? It's not my, it's not my problem. And then I just said, I, I used to think Christmas was a bit dull when the kids are getting a bit older and stuff like that. And then I just thought, right, what do we, what do we need here? And so I put a thing out on Facebook that said, wanted volunteers to give Christmas to all the people who live alone. And we create, with a budget of now. I say I'm, I'm, I'm quite good on a budget now. I start off with a budget now and, and I'm build that, from there. <laughs> I'm that confident that I'll make it happen. Yes. And, and that's a good thing. I, I know it sounds silly, but. Build it and they will come. <laughs> sure, I honestly think, certainly in York, yeah, I, I think I can do anything, and it'll and I can pull it off. I've I've got one trick, and that is I surround myself with amazing people, yeah. and then magic happens. It's it's really good. So we we give them Christmas Day. We get them all picked up, all taxi driven. We get a twenty piece brass band. They get the best food, the best ingredients, cooked by you know um, you know a knighted chef at the, from York University. Um, we have live music, we have everything. It's beautiful. We've got them all day and we take them home and it is, it's breathtaking. And this year we couldn't do it, yeah. but it's an incredible thing and it brings community together and it shows that it's so much better to give than to receive. Yeah, absolutely. And so tell us, tell us about your, your work that you've done this year. Have you been asked to do many virtual conferences at all? Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I opened for the the UK uh, care care show. Um, I put together a forty five minute film um, called the COVID Diaries, where okay. I spent two days with a care team who I've done a load of work with, and it was after they'd been in lockdown and everything, and were living away from home and having a real tough time, and so I I was asked to go in in a room in a 15 by 15 room with some treats, okay? And just to set a camera going and listen oh. and just let them spout and just let it all out. It was like a decompression chamber. Yes. And yeah. it was incredible. Now we could have, we did this just for them, but I had the film and I showed them it. I, I cut it down, by the way, it's cut down two days full of thing to 45 minutes is like. Wow, that's some editing that is, isn't oh, it? That's a lot of stuff. <laughs> Um, but I showed them it. I showed them their bits and I never showed them other people. So they never saw other people's interpretation of the same thing. And then I said, can we, can we put this together? And went, yeah. And then they saw everybody else and what they said. And nobody on that film said I was great. Oh. They all said, but she was amazing. Oh, that's and lovely. That it was. So it showed a real thing. And the one thing about it all said, right, if it comes back again, I'm in. I'll mm. do it. I'll do it again. I'll do it all. Amazing. It's really incredible. So I've, I've done a lot of like 
conferences stuff. Yeah. Um, then people have brought like one one company who do dialysis, um, and have been doing dialysis for people three times a week or during lockdown. Um, bought a lot of my books for every member of staff, and they loved it. And they said they got in touch and went, "Could you do a motivational talk for all our team? Because they've all read your book and they feel like they know you." Oh, that's lovely. And so I got brought in, and. It was beautiful because they were really on their haunches. They were really like everyone was talking about the vaccine and thinking the lights at the end of the tunnel, lights at the end of the tunnel. And they were realizing we're still in the tunnel. Yeah, exactly. And it's not, yeah, struggling. it's not it's home, it's, home dry yet, is it? No. no. And they were struggling, struggling, struggling. And do you know what I did? I did something that broke them, but healed them. Yes. Yeah. And what I did was I gave them, I said, I want you all to close your eyes. And I said, I'm going to give you a dad's eye view. And I said, right, I'm a dad of one of the children who you do dialysis for three times a week. How do I look at you? Right? And then I said, I want you to imagine that I'm your dad. I said, imagine what your dad will say when he says, you know, Sarah did nursing, didn't she? Oh, yeah, yeah. What's she doing now with it? Oh, she does dialysis. She keeps people alive. Mums, dads, sons, daughters, nanas, granddads. Imagine how your dad feels about you and the work you do today. And I said, never lose sight of this. I said, your nose is so close to that painting, you don't realise what a work about it is. Yeah. And... It was incredible. And they were in bits. Oh, I'm not then, surprised. But then they just realised, do you know what? I, I said, you can't see it. No, well, that's it. I think when you, like you say, when you're so close to it, you, there, you don't. You, you don't can't see, see the detail. Yeah. It's too close. It's too blurred. Yeah. And so people are bringing me in to do stuff like that. Yeah. And, and the thing is, you know, I'm not touting myself for this. I'm not touting myself. People are saying, right, we like what you do. Yeah. Can we do like I'm not one of these sort of one trick pony guys that are flogging the same dead horse all the time. It's a case of I'm just sort of doing what I do. My values are there and they change. Do you know what I mean? You've got to adapt. And I think that that's the key to all this. We've got to adapt. Yes, if yeah. you are a one trick pony, if you are a knife with one blade, you are gonna struggle. Yeah. So you've got to be a, you've got to have a bit of a Swiss Army life. Yes. That, yeah, and, that's true. It's so and, true. For this, especially so, this year. And so when people say, what do you do? I'm not, I'm not really like, yes, I'm a conference speaker, but yes, I'm a filmmaker. Yes, I'm a writer. Yes, I'm a... But it sounds like you're a bit of a pick and mix and you're a jack of all trades and mastering on. But do you know what? If you're good at one thing and you throw yourself at someone else, there's a fair chance you're going to be pretty good at good that. Good at that, yeah. Well, I don't, I don't think you're a, I don't think you're a jack of all trades, master of none. I think you, you master each of those things extremely well, oh. um, but you don't, then go off on a you know it's all relatable and you can see you know it all links together so I don't you know I don't think you could say that about you but it's all about, it's all about playing to an audience of one yes I think that's where that's where it all links yes yeah yeah but you want you want to be relatable don't you and, hmm. and you you want people to get what you what message you're trying to say and I think whether yes. that's a book or whether that's being in an audience 
um, or even seeing something on social media, you know, that you, it, it all links together really, really well. And um, obviously it's been a turbulent year for businesses as well as individuals, both personally and professionally. Um, there's lots and lots of, of, of people that are, are taking the leap and setting up their own business. Um, what, what sort of inspiring message could you give to a budding entrepreneur at this time? Well, I'm a terrible businessman. I'm, I'm not the guy. <laughs> I'm, I'm dreadful. I, I accidentally do business. Um, <laughs> what I would say is you can only play the hand of cards that you've got. Yeah. Right. But what I would say is think of the times when you've come in and you haven't done a big shop and you go to the fridge and all the ingredients that you'd like to be there aren't there. And you think, hell, I'm hungry. And you think, well, I've got... I've got some eggs, I've got some ham, there's some mushrooms there, a bit of, bit of leftover cheese, whatever. And you make a fantastic omelette or a frittata or something like that. Yeah. And you just think, that's because I haven't got the ingredients that I'd love. So I've got to stick more ideas in there, more creativity, more effort. Yeah. And do you know what? There are people with a hell of a lot more talent, hell of a lot more intelligence than me, hell of a lot more... Than... Well, I'll tell you what, there aren't many who work harder. And if you throw ideas and hard work, yes, yeah, you know, and do you know what, you might fail. Don't mind. But that's the thing, isn't it? I think ultimately you have to push yourself. And if you, you know, if you fail, you know, there's there's a saying, isn't it? You know, you fail harder, fail harder, and then you succeed. And you, you know, you have to keep failing to to understand what success means. And um, I mean, resilience is another word that really. We've, we've all had to have an, an abundance this year. What does resilience mean to you, Ian? What, 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 you know, what does I'm, that word conjure up to you? Right, well, I'm a dinosaur. I am a dinosaur. I'm old school. Um, people rely on me. People rely on my wife. Um, no matter what family we're in, we're the head of the family. Um, no matter what social group we're in, and people need anything, they always tend to come to us. We seem to be where the book stops. My wife's incredible. Like she's incredible. She doesn't she doesn't get ill, right? She's like a machine, but she's a man. Um resilience. We are old school. Yeah. Right? Um a lot of the stuff that's out there now gives people options to fall to bits and to struggle and to all this other. And, and when people say it's okay not to be okay, well, I think it's okay not to be okay surround, so long as you're surrounded by good people. Yes. Right? It isn't okay not to be okay. And I think there's a lot of people who give in too easy these days. I, I honestly do. When I think of my Nana's generation, I mean, Nana was you know, left without a mum and dad when she was four and was bringing up three brothers, all the yeah. brothers. And I think that it's not a fashionable view, but I know I haven't got an option to not be okay. Yeah. Because too many people come to me and... For support. Yeah. yeah. And so if I, you know... If one of the toughest lads in the gang is getting a good kick, and well, how was that happen? You know, so I've got to, I've got to be there for that, and I take that responsibility very seriously. Yeah. 
And do you know what? I believe in me and I trust me. And I think, do you know, what? I'll be all right. I'll be all right. And do you know what? In the first 50 years, it's worked. And I don't, and, and I'm getting better at it. So even though I'm older, right, my energy levels seem to have risen and not, and not reduced. And resilience for me is adapting. And it's about seeing what you've got. Yeah. Celebrating what you've got. And like, Absolutely, oh, yes. This new lockdown thing is going to come tonight, I reckon. Yeah, I do too, I, yeah. Do you know what? I'm running at it. Yeah. I think, do you know, and I think, I think many are because I think you just, it's a necessity, it needs to happen. And like you say, and like wife very, very rightly said, you know, we've been here before, we mm. can get through it. All, all you really need is a roof over your head and mm. food to eat and your family close and healthy and well. And I know, unfortunately, some, some families don't have that. And and, you know, I, I feel really sad about that. And, you know, if, if there's one thing I want to do next year is to try and help, you know, in, in some way, those families that haven't got those, those, in my view, they look, they are luxuries, you know, you, you've got your family, you've got your home, you've got your food, you know, if you can do that, and you can survive through this, then I think, I think that's, that's the, the bigger picture, isn't it? See, so there's like a couple of a couple of my friends, I've got a, I've got a friend on uh, who I met on LinkedIn um, called Alfie, a guy called Alfie Joy, who does the BBC uh, Newcastle Breakfast Show. And both of us have thrived during lockdown. Yeah. It's given us time to be more creative. Yes. Um, yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's given us time to run. And so I'm now, I'm now on with two writing projects. I was gonna. I was about to say, if I know you well enough, I know that there's something bubbling away for the 2021. So tell yeah. us what that is. Well, I've got I've got two. Yeah. And one is about loneliness and how to beat it. Yes, the great, right. perfect. Because there isn't a vaccine for that yet. No. Um, but I found that the word hello works pretty well. So I'm doing a, a project called Hello Stranger. Love that. Which is going to be a totally different look at how people view friendship. That's going to be other. I look forward to seeing that. Ian, and that sounds brilliant. And, and the other one is about um, a job that I've done for the last 17 years. Uh, and it's cost me so far about a quarter of a million pounds. And um, it's going to have three words on the front cover, three letters, sorry. And it's going to say D-A-D. -D. Mm -hmm. And it's a book all about the values of family and how odd it is being a bloke and being a dinner. And it'll be interesting for men to read because the opening line is going to be, I have some bad news for you. 1980 wasn't 20 years ago. <laughs> and a lot of blokes will go, oh, no, it's not. It's not 20 years ago. It must be, um, no, it's not 40 years ago. And so <laughs> yeah. and it's not about how you still think you're 25. Yeah. And yet, you, you, know, and, you know, once you wanted to be Starsky and Hutch or Bodie and Doyle or something like that, and now you realise that you're either Homer or Peter <laughs> 
And, uh, you know, and you'd love to think that you look like a young Vince Vine and then all your, all your son's mates say, you don't have look like uh, Greg Davis, Dad. Thank you. So, yeah, so it's all... Yeah, I was going to say, I bet, I bet you've heard that so many times. <laughs> I see it, though. I don't... And, and, Do you not? <laughs> our, our Annie says to me, she said, Dad, you don't look like Greg Davis or Dara Breen. You look like Greg Davis had a baby with <laughs> Dara O'Brien. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank, thank you for that. So yeah, so I've got I've got some some beautiful right. writing, and it's funny, and it's heartwarming. I, I do like to skirt around the poignancy and the humour thing. It because comedy and tragedy share such similar borders. Oh, they do. And, You're and, so you know, right. Short stories, short little things, and that'll do the trick. You know, Absolutely. it works. I think it it's does. A, it does work. work and, and people will buy it, and people will want it, and my children will have shoes. <laughs> Well, that's, that's it. There you go. You've provided for, for all. So yeah. it's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you. And I really, um, you know, I could talk to you for hours I'm, and I'm sure the audience will, will feel the same. But um, and I'm sure at some point in series two, we may we may have you back on. And you can tell us all about, um, you know, your, your new books. Out. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? It's, you realise how much you appreciate and love your house. Yes, you know I mean? true. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's your sanctuary, isn't it? Your home. Oh, yeah. and and I'm I'm quite I'm, you know, I'm I'm ready for all this. The thing is, I'm I'm walking about twelve kilometers a day. That's great. Now, um, so that's a real good thing. I'm yeah, I'm using that, and I use that as thinking time. Yeah, it's really thinking time. The walking's just something that happens as a byproduct. So I go out and I come up with some ideas, whatever, and it's it's the way. So all you got to do is look after you. Yes. Be dead selfish. Look after you. Yeah. And you can look after other people. Absolutely. But for the time being, but yeah, be blooming selfish and look after you. Absolutely. And I, and, I, yeah, I echo that. I th- I totally agree. But um, it's been lovely having you on. Thanks ever oh, so much. And um, take care of yourself and best regards to your wife and your kids and everyone else. And, um, and you know what? Em would be absolutely devastated if she knew that I was wearing this Christmas <laughs> knitwear. Hey, it's a, do you know what it is? It's, it's a hoodie. It's a cross between a cardigan and a hoodie. I like oh, I love it. Now <laughs> for the 50-year-old man. It's a it's a hoodigan. It's a <laughs> Go. Who knew? I love that. You take care of yourself. Have a and look. See you soon. Adieu. All the best. Bye. Well, Ian, thank you so much for your time today. We really, really enjoyed listening to you. We could have chatted for ages, I know, um, but it was great to hear your enthusiasm and your spirit. And I'm sure that that will be something that everybody carries into um, this new year that that we're celebrating right now. And for those of you that have really enjoyed listening to this series, we would love for you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. So if you just go to YouTube and look up Sheer Edge and hit the subscribe button, as well as our podcasts and vlogs, we've also got other content on there that may well be of interest to you. You can also follow us on social media. So Sheer Edge is on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn and Pinterest. And we are delving into what we want series two to look like, but we would absolutely love your thoughts and feedback in that. So please feel free to message us and give us your ideas and thoughts as to who you would like to hear more from. 
and the only thing that's left to say is thank you for listening and we wish you all a happy healthy and prosperous 2021 thanks for listening and see you soon bye